Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, We're going to take a look at the considerations for rookie contracts since the NFL draft was held last week. And this is the first of two weekends that NFL teams can hold um, mini camps. We've started to see signings of draft deals start taking place. Um, since the 2011 CBA instituted the rookie wage scale, uh, draft pick signings have come at a much faster pace than before. Um, for the teams that held um, the rookie mini camp uh, this week, um, which were the Ravens, the Bears, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Jets, the Eagles, Seahawks, and the Commanders. You saw those teams start to sign um, their draft picks to contracts. Now, most agents send their players to participate in off-season um, activities, uh, whether they're signed or not. And if you aren't signed, you sign what is called a rookie participation agreement which basically gives you protection that you'll get the equivalent of whatever your draft slot is should you happen to suffer some sort of injury. Very rarely do you see these things come into play, but the most famous case was in 2015 um, with um, Dante Fowler Jr., the third overall pick in that draft. Um, He tore ACL on his left knee in the first practice of the Jags 3-day minicamp. He'd signed the uh, minicamp participation agreement, and the Jags took care of him, did what they were supposed to do, which was give him the deal that he would have gotten had he been healthy. Teams typically don't try to take advantage and make any uh, substantive changes, not to the money in the deal, but to the structure of the contract when, when uh, such a situation occurs. But... That has kind of spurred agents to the extent they can and teams to want to get these deals done sooner rather than later. Um, Now, with all draft pick deals, they're four years. And how the rookie wage scale operates is essentially a salary cap within the overall salary cap. And the increase in rookie salaries from one draft class to another is tied to the growth in the salary cap. However, since we had... The revenue shortfall in 2020 um, caused by uh, the pandemic, a lot of money had to be borrowed from future years in order to keep the cap from dropping below the $182.5 million it was in last year. The cap is now up to $208.2 million, a 25.7% uh, percent increase. But last year, even though the cap dropped, uh, 15.7 million. Uh, signing bonuses for rookie deals went up 1%. Signing bonuses for rookie deals are going up again 1% because you have to pay back uh, the shortfall. And for the foreseeable future, from what I've been told, 
the uh, signing bonuses are going to be a 1% increase. Now, there's a league-wide limit on the total compensation for uh, rookies in their specific salary parameters for each slot. Uh, teams have a maximum minimum amount that they can spend on each draft position. Now, if you're in the uh, first round, you're getting the max of the slot. If you're in the second round, you're getting the max of the slot. Um, we'll get into some of the nuances um, of the different rounds a little bit later on. But um, there's a salary floor and ceiling for each uh, pick in the draft. There are very few negotiable items with these deals anymore. Um, you're not going to see these escalators, incentives, which jack up salaries, um, which pay rookies like pro bowlers is unproven talent. That stopped with the rookie wage scale. And I'll illustrate the difference. Sam Bradford, 2010, last guy before the rookie wage scale was implemented, signed a six-year, $76 million contract with $50 million guaranteed. That's a base value. Up to $86 million um, with incentives. Now, Cam Newton, the next year, first year under the rookie wage scale, Signs a deal for just a shade over $22 million, signing bonus at just over $14.5 million for four years, fully guaranteed. But when you add in the fifth-year option, he's gonna, he was able to make slightly under $37 million <laughs> over those five years. He signed an extension going into year five, so he didn't play on the fifth-year option. But two totally different types of contracts. So that kind of illustrates where we are. You can have signing bonus, base salary, roster bonus, reporting bonus, workout bonus, and select incentives. Now, for majority of the picks in the draft, is basically signing bonus and base salary. Now, how are these deals determined? Well, first thing you got to look at is the uh, first year cap number, because the rookie pool number, because that helps determine the overall value of the contract. Now, the each player has a rookie pool number and the base salary for the first year is going to be the league minimum for people who are entering. You don't have any credited seasons, 705000 So you're going to take whatever the rookie pool number is, subtract out 705000 and that's going to be your signing bonus proration. You multiply the whatever that number is times four, and that's going to be the signing bonus in a deal. I'll illustrate that concept through a pick from last year, Trey Lance. Now, with Trey Lance, his first year cap number was six million two hundred thousand nine hundred and fifty-six dollars. Now last year his league minimum was six sixty. So when you subtracted that out, you got five million five hundred forty thousand nine hundred fifty-six dollars. So you divide that by four, and that was going to give you uh, what his signing bonus was going to be. So Let's do that. Six million nine fifty-six minus six sixty times four. Twenty-two million one hundred sixty-three thousand eight hundred twenty-four dollars uh, was um, signing bonus for uh, Trey Lance last year. Now, there's another constraint with these rookie deals that you can only go up twenty-five percent of the first-year cap numbers, a maximum increase in future years. Now. Let's take that same $6,200,956. Now, if you multiply that by 0.25, it 
That means the maximum increase each year is $1,550,239. Now, um, and those are constraints you have for the rookie deal. So that means the bonus proration in each year is $1,550,239. What you do is for each individual year, the salary, you're going to take the cap number, subtract out the bonus proration. That's going to tell you the salary. Now, shortcut to figure out what the total value of the deal is. I don't know why it works. It just does. You take uh, first year cap number, multiply that by 5.5. That gives you the total value um, of the deal. And in Lance's case, that meant his contract was going to be $34,105,258 because if you multiply $6,200,956 times 5.5, that is the uh, max value of his deal. I don't know why that works. It just does. Um, now, draft pick contracts can't be negotiated until the end of a player's third regular season. So that means for the guys that are drafted this year, none of these guys are going to be able to redo deals, redo deals until January 2025. Now, first-round pick deals have a fifth-year option. And that fifth-year option can't be exercised till after the third year of the deal. The period for exercising fifth-year options begins after the player's third regular season ends. So right now that applies to 2019 draft class. So starting January 10, 2022, the day after the regular season, and uh, the period runs, that's the beginning of the period, the period ended prior to May 3rd, so May 2nd was the deadline, to pick up fifth-year options. Now, um, if you pick up the fifth-year option, the fourth-year salary for first-round pick becomes fully guaranteed if it wasn't already. Now, fifth-year option salaries are now tied to performance and if you are selected to two Pro Bowls on the original ballot in the first three seasons of your contract, then your fifth-year option salary will be the franchise tender at your position. That applies to Kyler Murray this year. Kyler Murray, the first overall pick in 2019, Pro Bowls second and third year. So his tender is 29 0.073 million. If you have one Pro Bowl selection on the original ballot in the first three seasons, that puts your tender, puts your fifth-year option at the, trans at the transition tender. Uh, that means uh, Brian Burns and T.J. Hawkinson are among guys who have a transition tender. If not, if you participate in 75% of the offensive defensive plays, whichever is applicable for you, into the first three seasons of deals or an average of 50% play time in each of the first three seasons, then your fifth-year salary is the average of the third through 25 paid salaries at a player's position. If you don't fall in any of these categories, then it's the fifth, then your fifth-year salary is the third through 25th highest paid salaries at a player's position. Now, there's something where salaries can escalate in the fourth year for second through seventh round picks because the only round where there's a fifth-year option is the first round. Some call the proven performance escalator in the collective bargaining agreement. It used to only apply to third-round picks. So that, could, could, that was creating some situations where you had guys at the back of the second round who were making less than guys at the top of the third round when the escalator got applied. Now, how this escalator works 
is it's in its original form, third through seventh round picks could increase their total fourth year salary to what the original draft round restricted free agent tender was in the fourth year by playing a minimum of 35% offensive or defensive playtime in two of the first three seasons or averaging at least 35% playtime in the first three seasons. Now, that number equals $2.54 million this year. Now, this CBA allows second-round picks to have their salaries escalate. To get to this original draft round level, your playtime, the required playtime is 60% um, for second-round picks. Now, um, you can it can increase uh, the fourth-year salary for second- to seventh-round picks can increase to the original draft round tender plus 250, which would be $2.79 million, with at least 55% play time in each of the first three seasons of a contract. Now, and the fourth year salary can escalate to the second round tender this year with one Pro Bowl selection on the original ballot in the first three years of a rookie deal. Uh, that's $3.986 million, and that's going to apply to guys like uh, Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf. Uh, who've been named to the Pro Bowl. But that's how um, the uh, escalators uh, work. Now, um, what are the negotiable items, particularly in the first round? That the two issues which are really important, um, payment schedule, signing bonus, and whether salary guarantees have offsets. And another um, consideration is language outlining the voiding of salary guarantees. As I said earlier, that the contracts are starting to get signed um, now. Under the old system, it used to be you didn't have majority of rookie contracts signed until training camp was starting to approach, particularly in the first round. In 2010, the last year before the rookie wage scale, no fir- nobody in the first two rounds is signed by the 4th of July. And you've had guys who held out into the regular season, like Jamarcus Russell, who was one, one of the biggest busts uh, in the latter years prior to the rookie wage scale, and one of the impetus for the rookie wage scale, um, held out 47 days before signing with the Raiders. Now, you don't really see rookie holdouts anymore. Um, the longest dispute was Joey Bosa, the third overall pick in 2016, with the Chargers. Um, he was the first... Uh, Rookie who didn't show up to training camp on time since 2013. He missed 13 days before signing his contract. Then one, another big one was in 2018. Uh, Roquan Smith, the eighth overall pick um, that year, missed the first two weeks of training camp because there was a objection to the language which would void his guarantees. Um, over an ejection or suspension for violating NFL ejection from a game for violating NFL playing rules. Um, agents didn't want that language in, and they reached a compromise on the number of games necessary to trigger the voiding. Now, getting back to BOSA, the payment schedule signing bonus and the offsets were the two big issues. And he didn't get offsets. BOSA didn't get offsets, but he did get a better payment schedule than practically every other charger for big signing bonus. Now, what's this whole thing about offsets? Well, 
an offset clause allows a player to get his full guarantee from his old team. If you don't have an offset clause, if there's no offsets, you get your full guarantee from your old team plus every dollar from your new team. It only comes up if the player's a bust. So um, that's basically double dipping. So if there's an offset, and I'll put it in a simple term, let's say you got a million-dollar salary, which is by the time you get to be when someone gets cut, that's below league minimum, but just for illustrative purposes. Say there's an offset for, for a million. Let's make it $2 million so it'll be realistic. Say there's $2 million salary, and you get cut and there's an offset. Your guarantee has an offset. You go sign for 1-5 with another team. Then you're not making two million plus one point five million. You're only making two. Your old team gets the one five from your new team to offset the guarantee. Now only if you made above two million would you start getting money from this contract. So let's say it was two five as opposed to one five. Then you make two million plus five hundred and the old team gets to recoup the whole $2 million from the guarantee. Now, this is an issue which has largely been, largely been conceded by um, agents. And when this happened was in 2013. Um, you had agents basically cave on the issue that now the only two teams which typically don't care about offsets, the Jaguars and the Rams. So if you drafted in the top 10 by the Jaguars... You're not going to have offsets. The Rams, with their uh, F-them pick policy, and I think the last time they had a first-round pick was Jared Goff in 2016. He didn't have offsets. Um, but when they do have a first-round pick again, um, that policy is still probably going to stand. Now, if you're a quarterback, there's a possibility you might be able to get some sort of concession with offsets as well. We didn't see it last year with Trey Lance. Or um, Zach Wilson. Uh, Wilson went second. Lance went third. But the Bears had done it before with Mitchell Trubisky. And did the same thing with um, Justin Fields last year. That um, He's got these training camp roster bonuses in years two, three, and four. And there are offsets with the training camp roster bonuses. The base salaries have offsets. Um, Marcus Mariota got some got a similar concession in 2015 with the um, Titans, but that's what happened in 2013 when teams held the line on offsets for top 10 picks. Basically, what they did was they gave them training camp roster bonuses in years two, three, and four, where everything but minimum base salaries were put in third or fifth day training camp roster bonuses, so the player would get the money sooner rather than later. Now, as I said, the other big sticking point has been payment of signing bonus. And historically, you've seen signing bonuses in draft deals and in major deals paid in two to four installments. They're not paid in a lump sum. Um, But what we've started to see in recent years is first-round picks at the top of the draft, have started to get signing bonuses in a lump sum. Um, that's a new practice that we, we've, we've started to see. Last year, the first three picks got their signing bonuses in a lump sum. 
uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. In 2021, I mean in 2020, first two picks got their signing bonuses in a lump sum. Um, Joe Burrow, Chase Young. 2019, uh, Nick Bosa uh, got a signing bonus in a lump sum. 2018, Sam Darnold got a signing bonus in a lump sum. So that's going to be um, a major issue that we see this year um, among the first-round picks at the top of the draft. Now, um, as I said earlier, we've already had um, some draft picks starting to get signed. There are five first-round picks who have signed. Um, the first two get signed were the Packers guys, and these are from the teams which have mini camp, Ricky Minicamp this week. Um, I think the first one was um, Deontay Wyatt and then Quay Walker. Now, their deals are... Wyatt's uh, four years, twelve million eight hundred sixty-one thousand one hundred eighty-three dollars. Um, signing bonus of six million five six six million five hundred fifty-three thousand five hundred fifty-eight dollars. Walkers, thirteen million eight hundred forty-one thousand six hundred forty-one dollars. Signing bonus seven million two hundred forty-six thousand six hundred forty-eight dollars. Uh, Jordan Davis from the Eagles signed. His 13th overall pick, his deal is $17,009,278, signing bonus of $9,550,384. We had George Karloftis, who's agreed to terms. Um, his deal will be $11,935,473, signing bonus $5,860,344. Now, this is his contract is supposedly fully guaranteed. Now this is where there's an interesting little quirk in the first round. That last year the first twenty-eight picks in the first round had their entire contracts fully guaranteed. And then there was a decreasing portion of the fourth fourth year salary guaranteed as we kept going down the round. Last year number twenty nine Eric Stokes had ninety six percent of his fourth year salary. Uh, guaranteed than Joe Tryon Swarenka had um, 78% as a 32nd pick. So, Karloftis has gotten his fully guaranteed as reported as the 30th pick, and to get the deal done this soon, I'm assuming they had to make a concession. Otherwise, he's going to be waiting to see what happens at 29. Um, and it had been expanding, it expanded two picks last year from 2020. There were 26 in 2020, they're fully guaranteed, then 28th this year, so that makes sense. Now, what that does is for Cole Strange, it kind of boxes him in. Because if I represent Cole Strange and the 30th pick has a fully guaranteed contract, then I'm going to want one at 29. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Karloftis affects uh, Cole Strange. It should be fully guaranteed if not the Patriots can have a hard time getting him to agree to a contract that doesn't have all four years fully guaranteed. Um, not a portion. 96% of Eric Stokes' fourth year is fully guaranteed, so it's not a stretch to go to 100. 
at the 29th overall pick. And then Ahmad Sauce Gardner um, agreed to terms today. And his deal is going to be $33,450,997 as the uh, fourth pick. And a signing bonus of $21,507,852. Now, this is where it gets interesting with him. I also figure or assume that since he's done quickly, that the Jets gave him a lump sum payment for signing bonus. And that means usually within 15 days of execution, you're going to get all the money as opposed to paying two or three installments or having some of it deferred until the following year, which is sometimes the case. And this is why I say that, that, so far, they've made that distinction for quarterbacks. As I said, Sam Darnold, 2018, Zach Wilson last year, lump sum payments. 2019, the big sticking point with Quinnen Williams, he was the third overall pick, was payment of the signing bonus. He got he had a $21,677,724 signing bonus, Williams did. $16,258,293 was payable with and through signing his contract. He had the remainder, which was $5,419,431, was deferred until the following March. If this deferral is existing and the Jets wanted this deferral for Ahmad Sauce Garner, I doubt this deal gets done today. So, I haven't seen the contract. Nothing's been reported on the signing bonus payout. But for this deal to be done this quickly, it suggests to me that they gave him the Zach Wilson treatment and it's a lump sum signing bonus payment. Now, um, we're going to have that. And if he got it at number four, then that's going to set the stage for it to happen above. And... That's where things can potentially get interesting with Aiden Hutchinson in in particular, as far as I'm concerned. And the reason I'm going to say that is because Aiden Hutchinson um, plays for a team which had a top 10 pick last year in Penae Sewell. And with um, Penae Sewell last year, when he went seventh, the, their signing bonus payment, Sewell signing bonus was $14,886,596. Um, he got half of it within 30 days execution is executing his contract. He got the other half right before the regular season started early last September. So, Sauce Gardner has his upon execution. Then it's going to not only affect Hutchinson, it's going to affect uh, Derek Stingley. Stingley, number three, right above him is a cornerback, and then you got Hutchinson, number two. Um, Stingley's deal and signing bonus should be deal, $34,657,513. Signing bonus, $22,385,464. Now, um, Hutchinson's deal as a number two pick be $35,717,000. $386 signing bonus of $23,153,372. The one guy who doesn't have to worry about any of this is Trayvon Walker as the first overall pick, thanks to what happened last year with the first round picks. 
one, there's going to be no offsets. That um, Trevor Lawrence, the first pick, was never going to have offsets. But they gave no offsets to Travis Etienne as the 25th overall pick. So there's no way that Trayvon Walker's contract is going to have offsets. Then last year, the um, Jaguars really deviated from a well-established um, policy. With Up until Trevor Lawrence last year and his $24,118,900 signing bonus, they hadn't given it in a lump sum payment. He got it, all his payable within 15 business days of signing. Previously, what they'd done with most of their top 10 picks was defer half of the signing bonus until the following March. So, they're going to have a hard time, particularly if Garner at number four is lump sum, which I don't know, but I'm just making that assumption. And, and also, setting that precedent with Lawrence last year, they could say he's a quarterback precedent, but Walker's not going to buy it. He can say, I'm the first pick, so it should be a first pick precedent, giving him anything but a lump sum signing bonus. And then they did something for Trevor Lawrence, which had not been done for any other uh, player under the Ricky Wade scale. Not only did he get the no offsets, but he got the training camp roster bonuses. I said earlier, the training camp roster bonuses really were a concession for holding line on offsets. But he got the training camp roster bonuses and the no offsets. So if I'm Walker, I want to be treated the same in all cases, like Trevor Lawrence. So that's really the conventions which are going to exist in the first round. Now, in the second round, um, players get the full slot. And then the guarantees um, start to drop in the the second round. You're not getting a fully guaranteed contract in the second round. Um, You're getting your first two years fully guaranteed um, the first two picks last year got the third year fully guaranteed by the time you got to the uh, eighth pick there was no money guaranteed in the third year so we'll see uh, if there's any type of extension now the third round is where it really gets interesting um, to me in the draft that first two rounds you get the full slot fourth through seventh round historically it's been you get a signing bonus and four years of minimum base salaries third round that's where you've actually had to negotiate money um, because you're not treated like the fourth through seventh rounders you're not treated like the first through first and second rounders so you're not historically you haven't been getting the full slot last year there's a big jump that in 2020 um, the first eight picks got max compensation their full slot it extended all the way to 29 um, last year so I know agents with the union urging them the NFLPA are going to push for getting the full slot for every single third round pick this year that's 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 going to be their goal whether they can do that or not is going to be a different story in this year you have including compensatory picks 41 um, third round picks so we'll see if that gets extended and then once you start getting into the third round you start having what's called a split in a contract doesn't exist in the first and second rounds but um, with a there's a split in the first year for uh, 
players taking in the third round. What I mean by that is there are two types of splits. There's a preseason split and a full split. And under this, there are minimum salaries for each year in the CBA. And there's also what's called a split salary where you get a lower amount if you're not on the 53-man roster. And if you have a preseason split, then once you make the 53-man roster, your split goes away. So let's say you have a split as a third-round pick in the first year of your your rookie contract, and you make the 53-man roster, um, and then you get going IR on week two. You get your full salary. But let's say you get hurt for the year, and you go on IR um, in the preseason, then you're going to get the lower amount. You're not going to get your minimum base salary. And this year, for incoming players, your minimum base salary is 705000 But that, that split amount this year is, I believe, 430000 So that's a big departure. Um, now, if you have a full split, it works differently. Full split, also known as an up-and-down split. So let's say you make the 53-man roster. You have a full split. Then you go on IR after the first game, and you stay there the whole year. Week one, you're getting a prorated amount of 705000 which would be $39,167. Then for every other week of the season, you're getting the prorated amount of 430000 which will be $23,889. So that's a big departure um, in terms of money. Then what I mean by up-down split is for each week you're on the 53-man roster, then you're going to get the up amount, 705. Each week you're not, you get the down amount, 430,000. So let's say this guy, um, the example, you go on IR after uh, week one, and you come off week 10. So for those weeks, weeks two through nine, you're getting the down amount. You're getting the prorated amount each week of 430,000. Then once you come off IR in week 10, and let's say you stay up the rest of the season, then weeks 10 through 18, then you're getting the up amount, 705000 So that's what I mean by an up or down split. Now, we'll see if the third round picks can get um, the money, uh, can get the full slot extended beyond the first 29 picks. Now, that leads us to the dynamic that the NFLPA is going to want with the fourth-round picks this year. Because since all they have is league minimums um, and a signing bonus, there's a big difference between being the last pick in the third round and the first pick in the fourth round. Last year, the last pick in the third round got $355,159 above his league minimums. First pick gets zero. So... Something the NFLPA is impressing upon agents is to try to get more than league minimums in your salaries in the fourth round. And then the splits also 
extend in the fourth round. It's not just the first year. In the fourth round, you're typically going to see two years of splits with most teams. The Rams only do one year. And most teams do a full split. The Rams do a, one of the teams that do a preseason split. Ravens do preseason splits, I believe. But you don't see tons of uh, preseason splits. They're mostly full splits. No, the Ravens do a, a preseason split in the second year. Um, full split in the first year, preseason split in the second year. Patriots do a preseason split in the second year. So do the Jaguars. And you have the split in the second year. And then you also have something called, which is base tied to credited seasons. So um, your second, and this will apply to your second year base. Your second year base salary will be tied to whether you earned a credited season in year one. So in order to earn a credited season, um, you need three games on the 53-man roster. IR doesn't count. And I'll give an example of a guy who's, Base in his contract says 825, and then you get the addendums where that base tied to credit season language is, it gets adjusted downward. Uh, Janarius Robinson, who was drafted 29th in the fourth round by the Vikings last year, um, went on IR um, in the preseason, stayed there all year. So not only he made the split amount last year, his base salary was six 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 sixty, but he made four fifteen because he was an IR the whole year. Now, he didn't get the credited season for minimum salary purposes because there was IR IR the whole year. Didn't get three games on the fifty three man roster. So instead of having a base salary of eight twenty five this year, it's seven oh five, which is the same as the incoming rookies. So you see that in the fourth round and then on down in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds as well. And you'll see the base tied to credited seasons as you keep going down, not only extend to the second year, but to the third year as you get in the sixth and seventh round, depending upon the team. So uh, those are some of the conventions which you get outside of the first round. Now, there's a whole different animal called being an undrafted free agent. And, and starting late in the draft, Teams will start calling guys they don't think will get drafted, trying to get them to agree to deals. And sometimes it's better to be undrafted than to be drafted because now, under the way the whole rookie system works, and all these guys get signed right after the draft, um, first 24 hours. These deals are agreed to for some guys before the draft is over. Not supposed to happen, but does. But they get drafted, then the deal gets forwarded, and then they're picked. But... Each team is limited to paying signing bonuses in what's called the undrafted rookie reservation. This year, that was $167,944 as the amount of signing bonus that they could give to um, undrafted guys. So that leads to giving base salary guarantees to undrafted free agents. And I'll give you one prime example. The guy this year got the most base salary, got the most guarantees for an undrafted guy was Carson Strong. $20,000 $20,000 signing bonus, $300,000 salary guarantee. So that's a total guarantee of $320,000. Now, Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft, quarterback from Iowa State going to um, San Francisco. Um, Carson Strong probably would rather be where he is because there's going to be a signing bonus of $77,012 for Brock Purdy 
That's his only guaranteed money. Plus, he's got a four-year deal. All um, undrafted free agents sign three-year deals of minimum salaries. So, you have, in this case, Carson Strong with $320,000 guaranteed. Brock Purdy's going to have 77000 guaranteed. So, the $320,000 in total guarantees is the equivalent of being a mid-fifth-round pick. DeMarco Jackson for... Um, the Saints, the 18th pick in the fifth round, he's going to have a signing bonus of $316,916. His guarantee money is going to be less than Carson Strong's, who was undrafted. Now, the guarantee of $300,000 is an offset, and it applies to practice squad money as well. Or if you sign somebody else's practice squad or you're on somebody else's active roster, so the team can basically get the money back because there's an offset. But... This year, the practice squad salary for incoming players is $11,500 per week. If you're on a practice squad for a whole season, that's $207,000. So Carson Strong's guarantee is more than his practice squad salary for the year. So this pretty much ensures he's got to be horrible for Philadelphia to at least not hope that he can clear waivers and be on a practice squad, be on their practice squad. But um, let's say Brock Purdy and Carson Strong both are terrible, get cut, don't make practice squads. Carson Strong's in a better position because he's he's assured three hundred twenty thousand dollars. Purdy only seventy seven thousand. But um, this type of strong guarantee, no pun intended, for Carson Strong. Pretty much means he's going to be in a practice squad. Um, other other big guarantees included Zach McLeod, two hundred fifty thousand dollars total, twenty five thousand signing bonus, two hundred twenty five thousand guarantees from the Vikings. The Eagles also did it for Noah Ellis. He got two hundred fifty as a total guarantee. He's a defensive tackle, ten to sign, two forty is a base salary. Biggest signing bonus, Cody Russell uh, for the Patriots, thirty thousand. Christopher Allen. For the Broncos, uh, thirty thousand. Also, the undrafted guys have a three-year deal. So, if you are any good or play any decent amount as an undrafted guy, then they're going to have to tender you like a second-round tender, which is three point nine eight six million this year, or the low tender is two point four three three million. So you'll make out more if you actually flash any ability to play on a football field than if you are a late pick. Well, that's going to be this week's Inside the Draft, um, covering practically um, all the considerations with the draft pick contracts. Um, Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and read my regular CBSSports.com column agents take and we'll see you back here next week thanks for listening goodbye